What is good, my peoples? Welcome to another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. As always, that is AJ. He's the green. He was green two weeks ago. He was green last week as well. He, But he is the green of the Green Beige Podcast. I am Ken. I am the beige of the Green Beige Podcast. Decked in my red again. And of course, we have with us Mr. Justin Marvel of This Justin. Hashtag This Justin. And Mr. Ricky Nurse of... Well, he doesn't have his own podcast, so I can't I can't plug his stuff. But he is Mr. Jets, and I, and these two gentlemen, of course, are also green. I see Ricky has his his title. Ken was right for once. So, before gentlemen, how are you doing? Woo! Let me tell you, it was it was the best. It was the worst. With the tale of two halves. <laughs> Protect your QB at all costs. You win. <laughs> and leave your defense at home. You lose. What were you just saying? How are you doing? How are you I'm doing? I'm doing good. I just hope that Ricky's franchise is stupid enough to take the bait and, and, and send me some draft picks. So when that happens, I can be, I can be even more than good. All right. So... You know, I actually not ready for that one yet. Um, we are going to look at some of the headlines coming out of the NFL this week with the QB carousel picking up plenty of steam. And we'll see if there's any fix in these All-Star games. But first, tonight's episode is called Run Up the Chimney because I have all the smoke for our guests and our friends of the show. Now, you might recall, two weeks ago, we four sat on this screen and made our selections for the Super Bowl. Almost everybody here talked about the superior offensive line, defensive line, defensive secondary, wide receivers, running back, and running game of the Philadelphia Eagles. Only one person. Road with the Kansas City Chiefs from week one to week 23. And AJ and I were able to speak on what transpired in Super Bowl 57. But it would be remiss of me not to allow Justin and Ricky to tell us what happened to make their pick go all so wrong. And again, in case you forgot, Kansas City Chiefs 38, Philadelphia Eagles 35. Either of you gentlemen can take it away. Go ahead, Ricky. Okay. The one thing I remember, I recall, because I think Ken put this one together in, in logical parts, right? And he, he mentioned the run, run game. And I, I distinctly remember uh, Ken making that point. You can run on this Eagles defense. I distinctly remember Justin agreeing with that point. I'm here to say, gentlemen, that that followed the script to AT. It was one of the things that was said on this show. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. I, ain't, I, I don't mean I'm a, I ain't going, trying to cut you off. And I'm going to let you finish. But you, didn't, you, I, you mentioned Ken and Justin as if I didn't say so too. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I said, I said one of my points was that the Chiefs weren't, shouldn't, uh, uh, as if one of my keys to victory for the Chiefs was not run the football. Yes, sir. Make sure <laughs> and lean on the running game. That was a 
I had a very specific point for you, sir. I had a very specific point for you. AJ, AJ pointed out a young man that went to University of Rutgers, just like I did, by the name of Isaiah Pacheco, Little Poppy. And Little Poppy ran, I think he actually ran CEH out of town as a result of his performance. So I said, I said, gentlemen, take a bow, you were quite right. Where we were wrong is that this vaunted Eagles defense were either fraudulent or simply exposed by a better coaching staff. We are here to debate that, but that is what I saw. When you cannot get to Patrick Mahomes, who we have seen in a Super Bowl, feel the pressure of a pass rush. And that man had a uniform that was whiter at the end than at the start. That is a recipe, <laughs> gentlemen, for disaster. That is my summation of what to place. The, we said the game would be decided in trenches. Three of us leaned green, thinking it was going to be decided in the trenches in one direction, like the band itself. And it was decided in the trenches in another direction. So that is how it played out to me. So first off, I will say good good job, Kate. Thank you. What I will say, um, right? Yeah, the game was one of the trenches like all football games are. The disrespect I have was not for Patrick Mahomes because I know Patrick Mahomes is the best player on the field. If there's somebody you want to call you to other than Ken, it is indeed Andy Reid. And I'm gonna say here now, right? Andy Reid is the best coach in football bar now. And I don't think it's close anymore. Like, he is the best coach in football. This Bill Belichick talk, we'll get to that at the end of the thing. But, so no. We spoke about it at length, and I've said it over and over again. I'm not a fan of Philadelphia's defense. I think it was overrated during this game for two main reasons. One, they rely too heavily on turnovers. And two, they cannot stop the football. And we saw that, or sorry, they can't stop the run, sorry. And we saw that on display for the Super Bowl. Me picking Kansas City, or sorry, the Eagles, was on the basis that Andy Reid and Eric the Enemy would not run the football. And this is where he said, hey, I've disrespected Andy Reid for too long. Because Andy Reid did what it took to win the football game, regardless of what his play designs usually are. Ricky touched on Isaiah Pacheco. He had like 80 yards rushing in the game, if I'm not mistaken. 76. And, and on top of that, there was not, as I said in the preview, the Chiefs could not drop back 40 times this game away. And Andy Reid knew that. So what happened? You saw a perfect run-pass balance in that game. I think there were 27 dropbacks as opposed to 20 design runs, and that didn't include Patrick Mahomes' six scrambles in that game. So basically, it's as even running and, and passing attempts as you could possibly get in a football game. They leaned heavily on the run. Philadelphia could not stop it. And in the second half, as Ricky mentioned, they got the ball up quickly. So this vaunted pass rush negated by the fact that two seconds the ball was out of this hand. So when you look at Patrick Mahomes having under 200 yards um, throwing in this game, it was by design. It was like we're going to throw this ball underneath when we're not running the football and we're going to get the ball out so we can negate this password. It was an absolute master plan of a, of, a, of a game plan, of a game design. And what showed me that this is a master class for Andy Reid, not the fact that 
Patrick Mahomes was sacked zero times. Not even the pass run balance of 27 to 26. Not, you know, keeping Philadelphia's front guessing. What really showed me this was a masterclass was those two walking touchdowns in the end zone where those receivers were untouched. And it was not that Philadelphia was that bad defensively, and they are. But Dan Orlowski broke it down spectacularly. First time they're in the red zone, they sent a man in motion. And they relate, and the play did not work because what Philadelphia did, they passed it off. Corner on the outside, pushed up to safety, safety dropped down to end corner. And that way they were able to outflank the man on, on you know, in motion. Immediately, and he really said, Okay, that's what you're doing, no problem. What we're gonna do though, we're gonna put the same man in motion, and we're gonna get him your turbo and that back. So, you ain't got enough time to react, but yeah, twice in the end zone. And this is why you don't know how Jonathan Gannon got fired, but that's another conversation for another day. Two walking ends, um, touchdowns. Andy Reid is the best head coach in the NFL. You can write that down right now. So, AJ, is there anything that you'd like to add, anything you'd like to say in relation to, to what the gentlemen have also mentioned here today? No, I got it out of the way last week. It was last week or week before? Yeah, last week. Last week, right, right, right. Um, yeah, I got it out of the way. I, there's, I don't think there's anything more to add. I, like I said, and I maintain, I, I think... And I, Justin, I, I hear your point. I, I think there were certain cases where you could say that the Eagles' defense, and, it, and in even certain cases, certain instances, you saw a little, some shortcomings in their offense. Because Ken mentioned it last week when we were on, um, the fact that they don't have a very intermediary, intermediary pa- um, passing game. Like, is... Coach, I'm sorry. We had one more take Sorry about this, AJ. I want to put yeah, you in Yeah. <laughs> That defensive game plan, right, was so, also so great. Granted, again, Philadelphia did put up points, right, and Jalen Hurts looked like he was the best player on the field, right? But as I said to one of the game points, Kansas City Chiefs are going to have to make Jalen Hurts beat them. They're going to say, if you're going to beat me, you are not running the football. Jalen Hurts beat me your arm. And he very well almost did it. Like, Jalen Hurts is a lot better than they thought he would be. But the Kansas City Chiefs said, however, though, Miles Sanders and this bunch, done with them. Mate. If you're going to beat me, you're going to beat me on the arm of 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 Jalen Hurts making pay point throws. They kept Jalen Hurts in the pocket for the most part, other than seventy rush yards, obviously. And they're saying like, but your run game will not beat me today. So beat me through the air. I mean, you almost did it, but they said this run game, you are not control the clock with these guys on the ground. Go ahead. Sorry, AJ, I forgot to mention that. No, nah, you're fine. I, I was just I was just kind of more recapping what I said last week, and I'll still stand by it just because y'all weren't here. But either way, I I it's hard for me to pinpoint one or two things and say that the Eagles I mean I mean it's, it it is easy to look at things and say, well, yeah, the Eagles got this wrong or got that wrong. To me, they just went up against superior opposition intellectually and talent wise. That's that's kind of what it was to me. That's all. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to spend the whole show gloating because I could. I mean, I really could. But I I said it going into the game. I said it coming into the season. I believe in Andy Reid. I believe in Patrick Mahomes. We saw Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid quarterback the best 
offense in the NFL after losing their number one receiver. So I had more than enough. I had seen enough from this team going into the game that, yeah, I was concerned about the Eagles' run, run game. And the fact that the time of possession was so skewed in their favor in that first half did also give me pause. But the fact still remains, the Chiefs are the Chiefs. And as my former football coach used to say, if you want to be the best, you have to beat the best. And right now, the best is still the Kansas City Chiefs. So, quick question, just a quick segue. The question now is, are these Chiefs a dynasty? Because we've seen that the Chiefs have now made the AFC Championship game the Patrick Mahomes Invitational, as he's hosted it now for five straight seasons with four different opponents. And he's advanced to the Super Bowl three times, and he's won it twice. So, are the Chiefs a dynasty? Any of you can go, can, can go first. Let me start first since I had the least to say in the previous segment. No, they're not. No, they're not. <laughs> not as yet. Not as yet. Uh, and and it, it's not that they did anything wrong, but I, two Super Bowls in five years can't be considered a dynasty. That's pretty much it. I don't care. Like in, I don't care in what sport. I even, even back in the day when I remember specifically, I think it was when the Spurs, when Popovich's Spurs in the NBA won their fourth championship. Granted, you remember they never won back to back, but they used to win every few years and whatnot. It it was after they won their fourth that they were really being called within that fraternity of franchise. I, there's no way, there's no way possible that in any other sport. Uh, winning two could have a team being be considered a dynasty. No, no, that's not to take away from what they've done in the AFC. But the ultimate goal at the end of the season for this bunch is not just to win the AFC. It is to win the Bowls, and that is where we should be judging a dynasty. Not just winning, not just from from half completing the job. Uh, two Super Bowls in five years. It it obviously is a, is an amazing feat to accomplish in the sport, but it's not dynasty worthy as yet. The, 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 my answer to that is no, they are not not at the moment. All right. Justin, you had a moment to think about it. Do you agree with AJ? I want to, but she's on Bradley. When you talk about five straight ASC championship appearances, right, and all five at home, when you talk about a team that has yet to play a playoff game on the road since Patrick Mahomes has become a start, right? Outside of the Super Bowl, that is three Super Bowls in five years. And AJ was very tricky. I saw what AJ did, right? Two Super Bowls in five years. But reality is, it's two, it's three years. So I saw what you did there, AJ. But yeah, I, I got to say right now, right? Like, given that we are in an era where everything easy now and we relax our hardness and stuff, so on, our, you know, our exact definitions of things, for this era, I'm going to say, yeah, this is a dynasty. Like, I can't. Look past it. Uh, uh, this isn't like the Eagles who went to five straight NFC title games and did not win a Super Bowl. This is a team that has gone to five straight AFC Championship games, hosted everyone, not played a single playoff game on the road outside the Super Bowl, and now have hosted or hoisted two of the last three Super Bowls. Yeah, I'm gonna lean towards Dynasty. I do well, understand, appreciate AJ though, but I think I lean on the Dynasty lane. Okay, what about you, Ricky? I I agree with AJ. I say not yet. Um, I think they are 
showing the signs that they are on the road to becoming one, but I don't think they have arrived. And I say that because I've seen enough in the AFC competitively to know that this team could also go three or four years in the future without making it back to a Super Bowl. There's enough, there's enough talent, there's enough resistance there. Um, I'm not seeing what I saw with the Buffalo Bills, for example, where it was a given that the Bills were going to appear from the AFC years ago, and you just were trying to figure out who would represent the NFC, which um, at the time it was, you know, Dallas 49ers, um, New York Giants also were there. I, I don't think we are there. I think there's enough resistance. Um, I see the definition of dynasty actually speaks to rulers of a uh, family of rulers who rule over a country for a long period of time. But they're not ruling over the AFC for no long period of time. Um, there are enough teams in the AFC that could have something to say about that. So that's the only reason I say no. Um, I think there's enough resistance in the AFC to, to prevent them from, from returning. Okay. So seeing as how I got the controls, right? <laughs> I can just pull Ricky over here and bring Justin <laughs> over here with me. Because... <laughs> I agree with Justin. At this point in time, I I have pegged the um, Kansas City Chiefs as a dynasty. And if we are going to say that the Warriors, the Golden State Warriors, extended their dynasty with four titles in eight years when they won last year, even though within that period they, they didn't make the playoffs and they had some lost years in there, uh, but to, to their credit, they went three out of four initially. Then when we look at the Chiefs, the Chiefs have to be a dynasty because as far as my research has showed, right now they are second to the Patriots who have had eight straight EFC title game appearances between 2003 and 2011. And in that period, in that period, Mr. AJ, 2003, Patriots won, 2004, sorry, they won 2004, 2005, and then the next time they won was 2015. But if we go back to 2002, they've had two back-to-back, so they had three in four years, whereas right now the Chiefs are two and three, as Justin said. I just want to say it. I have not been on long enough to remember a good AJ Ken battle. So I can't wait. So, oh, wait. So, how is it? How, wait, we say that they have two and three? Yes, they have two and three. Yeah, mm-hmm. they have two. They have, two. They have one. They've won the last two of the last two. They won. Then Tampa Bay won. Then the Los Angeles Rams. And then the Rams. Again. So not two and three. Oh, two and four. Okay. Two and two four. four. Yeah, because those were back in my head. It was okay. like somewhere else. Yeah. Okay, okay. All right, two and four. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. two and four. Yeah. Right. Warming up. How does, how do two championships, Ken, you mentioned my Pats, right? I want you to know that my Pats were considered a dynasty, not because we were dominating the AFC, but because we won Super Bowls. We won, so let me ask you a question. Let me, and this is just a yes or no. I, I want a comprehension here. I can ask all around here. If the Rams win the Super Bowl next year, would any of you consider them a dynasty? No. 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 Perfect. Perfect. So if the Rams win next year, you wouldn't. But the Rams would have two Super Bowls in three years. As opposed to the Chiefs, 
having no 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 this no this is my allow time. him to finish allow time. him to finish my time this is my time <laughs> according to skip it's my turn <laughs> no, but, no but seriously but seriously i at the end of the day what you're looking back on is winning super bowls winning the actual championship winning the actual rings and can you mention the warriors but you, like you said the warriors won four and eight when I when I made my example about the Spurs, the Spurs had won four as well. The dynasty needs to consist of the same, essentially like the same core, the same core of whether it's players, coaches, whatever, winning a certain number of championships. And, and I, look. So what does that cut off, number day? But that's to, to me. Listen, listen. If the Chiefs win next year again, it will be hard for me to 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 make the argument that they haven't, that they're not. So, so right? the cut off number three, then. That's what you're saying. The cut off number I'm, three. I'm, I'm saying, I'm, to me, it would be four. But I'm saying in the NFL, I think you can consider three a good cutoff point. Fair in, in 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 other sports, I, I, I this is something I learned since back in the day. But from what I understood, and that's why I recounted the Spurs era. Because from what I understood in the Spurs era, when the conversation came up about the Spurs being a dynasty, it was because of four. And I even heard some of the old heads, in that, and I'm talking about ex-players and so on, basically uh, um, um, confirming that, well, yeah, a dynasty is kind of when you really win four. So that Spurs, that Spurs team, the Tony Parker, the, the Tim Duncan, or whatnot, that, their dynasty, no. That, this was after the fourth. After the, the first in 99, and then they, they had three more after so, that. So right? they asked, you know, a good trip here, you know? Shaq and Kobe are not dynasty then? No, I wouldn't say not. It, but they won three in a row. Yeah, I wouldn't say not. Okay, okay say tell not. me. The reason I ask is to keep harping on the four. And yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I think I, I think there's a slight differentiation. Like if winning winning a three-peat is 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 almost unprecedented. I, I don't think you can deny a three-peat in, in that regard, right? But but if, if it is that you're not winning year like year after year after year, but you within within a specific time frame you win a certain amount of championships then yes in the nfl like i said we can let's have this this discussion in a year because if y'all just told me that if the rams win next year you won't consider them a dynasty but there's a re i saw you but I, I, saw I, wait, I just waited for him uh -huh. i just waited for him I, so so i saw you 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 try to to, to be a little tricky there right the reason oh. i would not put the rams in a dynasty not because they want to it's because again the chiefs on a different situation, have gone to five straight AFC title games and not just gone to five, one on Adrian. They have hosted all five and have yet to play a single road playoff game. That is absolute and dumbness. I, and and I the Rams, that. if the Rams won its goal next season, they would not have done that. And I understand that, but but the ultimate measure of a dynasty is winning championships, not AFCs. Because, because then we, were, were the bills the same bills that Ricky just mentioned of the no, late eighties and early nineties were they a dynasty winning the AFC yeah, four years in a row? But they have, but they don't have any Super Bowls. Um, but they have none. exactly, but, exactly. But, but they right, dominated but the AFC in the same way that y'all are mentioning. I and I understand that. I understand that. But winning the AFC is is half is half of the task. To right. me, a dynasty, and I, I don't I don't even know how this is debatable. Like a dynasty should be winning the actual championship of like. Teams don't get considered for a dynasty for winning the West in 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 the NBA or, right, or but, the said, but what if I I have gone now I've hosted five AFC championships and won because let's not pretend that you may have not won two Super no. Bowls and not just win two Super Bowls they've been to a third. 
yes, they've been yes, they've been to the third. So they've won two of the three. That that is that is spectacular. Listen, I, I'm not saying that the Chiefs aren't a great team or they shouldn't be considered in the upper echelons of teams, but I'm saying a, a, a dynasty with two at this point. Come on. So here is why I would disagree with you, my brother, on this particular point, based on the argument that you just brought. So you you make mention of the Rams. The Rams, if they win a Super Bowl next season, cannot be considered a dynasty, even if they have the same two rings that the Chiefs do, because this season, the Rams were abysmal. The Rams were terrible, and they missed the play. Hold on, slow down, fella. You you had your time. Allow me to have mine. So, the Rams were so abysmal this season that they would be picking very high in this current draft if they still had a number one draft pick. But they don't care about those things, so they just get rid of them, right? FN picks. Correct. But where the Chiefs are concerned, the Chiefs have been a dominant force in the AFC and in the NFL by having a top three offense every year for the last five years. For every year that Patrick Mahomes has been there. They have been two, three Super Bowls in his five seasons. They have won two of them. The winning of two of them is what makes a difference. There is no other team in this period that can lay claim to the dominance overall that the Chiefs have had because the Chiefs as I may mention in my leading they've hosted five AFC championship games they've played four different teams so it's not as if to say that there is any one team that stands in their way the closest would have been the Bengals if the Bengals had beaten them again and they didn't so what we've seen so far of the Chiefs in these last five years even if they do not have five super bowls is of a dynastic quality and therefore when we look ahead when we extrapolate going forward when they're keeping if they manage to keep all the pieces together and they're able to run this back again next year even for me even if they do not win the super bowl if they get back to the super bowl it will be undeniable that they have been the force to contend with in the well i gotta say the the end of the 2010s and the, the beginning of the 2020s okay so two things before we because we have a lot to talk about i don't want to i don't want to keep justin and ricky here the whole night but two things first of all dominance is not equate to dynasty because if you're doing all of this and you're not actually winning when the time comes, that does not make you... I, again, I, I, I harken you back to the bills of the late 90s, of the eight, late 80s and early 90s. I don't care about, about how much you dominate in... Like I said, that's half the job done. Secondly, secondly, I'm going to rip apart that argument that you just tried to make for the, 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 the Rams. When you said the Rams were abysmal, Ken, where did the Warriors pick before they won the last championship? Okay. Okay. The big second. So the, we're not the, were the Warriors not abysmal in that time as well. But we're not going to deny that they are a dynasty, are we? See, no. But remember when I started with my intro, I said that some refer to it as them extending their dynasty after they had three and four, then they went 
without any for a few years and then they won another one so that gives them four and eight i am not the one saying that they were a dynasty or their dynasty continued with that gap in between because for me that would constitute a break that i didn't say that that was my opinion the, reason, I, the issue for me aj in bringing up the bills again you can't hearken the bills in this conversation because the bills did not there been anything? And, and like, my math is two is more than zero. And the Chiefs have two has a positive bills, right? So I can't hearken the bills. And then the reason I can't bring the Rams again as opposed, let's say the Rams do win, right? It is not what the Chiefs have done. And this, I'm just making an argument here because they can understand why you would say they're not dynasty. Huh? As I said, I am more towards there's a lane and I barely will be dynasty lane. The reason I cannot compare the Rams and again the Chiefs, even if the Rams win next year, is that again the five straight AFC Championship games, right? Like there is of no equal. When you look at the situation, like Ken mentioned, you look from the span of AFC. Ricky talked about all oh, these Bills were supposed to be their equal. The Bills have made it to one AFC title game, never made it back since. That's what two, three seasons ago. Mm -hmm. The Cincinnati Bengals have gone to two. Like there is no equal. For these Chiefs, these Chiefs have not only been to five straight, these Chiefs have hosted five straight and won three of those five. Like, 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 and I mean, again, I'm not here to say definitively this is a dynasty. I'm just leaning towards a dynasty talk. But I, for me, hmm. you can't compare the Bills for sure. Like the, Bills, the, Bills, the Bills are underperformers, like our chokers. Like, the, 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 go ahead, sorry. Adrian. Oh, no, 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 sorry, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, 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 I was saying I, that, that the reason I keep mentioning the Bills is because y'all are telling me about AFC dominance. And to me, all right, let me just, I'll just leave it here. To me, Dynasty is being able to go all the way and you have to have a particular number. If, if, the, if the Chiefs win next year, I, I'm, I'm not going to die on this hill. I'll, I'll, I'll be like, you know what? I, if, even, if, even if I'm not as gung-ho as Ken, Justin, I can be over the other side of the line with you. That, <laughs> okay. leave, let me leave it at that. Fair enough. You understand? <laughs> Well, I I think that that's a good spot that we can we can transition them off of off of the Chiefs as a whole to talk about a former Chief, Mr. Eric Bieniemy. He has left the NFL champion Chiefs and has now taken up residence in AJ's former home, the nation's capital, with the Washington Commanders as their new offensive coordinator. This where's my note? Oh, sorry. This is going to be unquestionably Bianami's shorter run on offense and can hopefully pave the path he craves towards being an NFL head coach. He leads Patrick Mahomes and the number one offense in the league for Sam Howell, a second-year starter and a team that finished 8-8-1 eight, eight, and one of the, well, one of the tougher divisions in football. So, Ricky, how will this work for Eric the enemy Bianami? Well, I gave this one some thought because, you know, there's that saying, love to see it. And then there's that saying, hate to see it. And I found myself in between when this news was announced. And I said to myself, you know what, if, if you find yourself in a situation, in, in most professions, where you don't think you're getting the credit or the respect for the job that you're doing, sometimes you find yourself having to ask, okay, would I get my flowers? Would I get my respect? Would I get my credit if I were doing this somewhere else? And I say in this case, it's an extreme example, but in this case, we are so conditioned 
step. You take the next step. You take the next step. You keep moving up. Here's a gentleman that he's in such a shadow cast by the same Andy Reid. Ironically, when we started the the, the um, show today, we talked about the greatness of Andy Reid. He cannot get from you know underneath that shadow. That shadow has him totally covered. So he said, you know what? I have to make this move because there's no way I will get credit or I will get the respect I think I deserve unless I make this move. So I have no issue with him finally deciding to make the move. Where I am challenged is that it don't get much worse than this franchise when it comes to being dysfunctional. Um, and that's where I think he's challenged. But then I thought about it a little further and I said, you know what? He may have done an assessment and said, you know what? This head coach may also be on borrowed time. Therefore, if I'm going to find the path of least resistance in making this decision, let me go to a situation like you have with the commanders where depending on the season we have, head coach may be gone and then I ascend into the head coach job. That is the only way that makes logical sense to me for Eric the enemy to agree to taking this specific job. But as far as him having to leave and making the decision to leave, I, I, I don't have any issue with it because I think he had reached that ceiling in Kansas City and any of you that saw Andy Reid post game, he don't look like a man that coming back for just one more season. Justin, do you agree with Ricky on this one? Uh, yeah. So to add, I found it weird that he was on a one-year contract, and I, there was no talk of you know re-upping that contract. I, I found it kind of strange. So I don't know if it's a situation Kansas City didn't want him back or he was a person who wanted up. Like that's that's my only problem with what's going on. Um Ricky's correct. I started this whole thing by saying I disrespected Andy Reid and Andy Reid is the best head coach in the NFL. I never wants to be mentioned Eric the enemy. So that just justifies the point that Ricky made in that. All, like no matter what happens in Kansas City, after the last five years, we've spoken about this. All that team has done with Eric enemy as offensive coordinator for the last five years is finish with the top three offense, have the quarterback be a two-time um, league MVP, a two-time Super Bowl MVP, and host five straight AFC Championship games, go to three Super Bowls, and win two of them. That's all that's happened in his five years as an offensive coordinator. And that's all. And, you know, if, you know, you can't move on or get a coach opportunity, then then it is clear it's a situation where everyone is going to either look at Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, or a combination of both, along with Travis Kelsey. Now, as the move to go to Washington, I have no problem with it because A, Dan Snyder is selling the team. So you can see that they're going in that direction. Um, we have a minority general manager there. Can't remember his name right now, but he's a black general manager. You have a minority head coach in Ron Rivera. So it's not like you're walking into a situation like uh, an awful situation. Yes, there's a lot of dysfunction, but hopefully you would expect that with Dan Snyder gone, that the days of those dysfunction are gone. No, to the roster. Ken or AJ or Ricky would have to tell me exactly where 
um, the Washington Commanders are picking in this draft because they have to believe the quarterback of the future is not currently on the roster. And while that may be problematic for somebody like the enemy, what isn't problematic is when you look through the list of their skill position players, and they will look here and mention them for you. If you can answer that quarterback position beyond Sam Howell, you have a situation where you have Terry McClurin, Jahan Dotson, Antonio Gibson, Curtis Samuel. Like, that is as good as a skill position group that you can really ask for. All you are missing is that young signal call. And again, if Washington find themselves in a position where either they air trade up with Chicago to get that number one overall pick, which we will talk about later, or align themselves somebody like a CJ Stroud, then I think the enemy has put himself in the perfect position to show why he should be a head coach in 2024 and beyond. All right, so to answer the question, the query that you had, Justin, the commanders are currently sitting in the 16th draft position. So, AJ, do you that's agree? Not, that's hmm? not going to get you a quarterback in the future. You're going to have to move up because I only think history has told us that at the very most, you only have two quarterbacks per class. The very most. One, usually. So if you're going to get that dude, you're going to have to move up to get CJ Scrum. Trade for Zach Wilson. So what are you, AJ? Do you agree with the gentleman? First of all, Ken, I need to ask you, right? Why, why does this look like you went to Liverpool? You look like you went to Liverpool Carlsberg jersey. Yeah. No, sir. No, sir. I just, this, this, this is, um, this, this has a pony on it. Okay. <laughs> I just ask him, right? Because this would be a funny the... day. This would be a funny day exactly. to wear a Liverpool jersey. Let me tell you. Ricky, I'm sorry. No disrespect, sir. No disrespect. <laughs> it, just, it, it just really reminds me of the Liverpool Carlsberg jersey from back in the day, right? To answer the question, I actually let me mention Ricky again because Ricky basically articulated everything that is is my thought as well. So essentially, it is that I think for the enemy, this is a path of least resistance. After it was what um, fifth, sixteen interviews with so fifteen different teams is what I saw in the last in the last couple few not couple but few years. Mm-hmm. Is Ricky your Jets interviewed him twice? After so many interviews and clearly nothing is happening, I, I feel like it is, as Ricky said, this is the path of least resistance. You're going to an organization that is about to have a change at the top. They've already, and Justin, I think you mentioned this part, the fact that they already have minority uh, um, persons in, in position here in the front office and as head coach. And, let <laughs> be real, Ron Rivera ain't lasting very long. He's not. He's not lasting too much longer. So, I mean, it would look very bad on the commanders if after Rivera, it, after Rivera's time has expired, that the enemy doesn't get the promotion. So I'm thinking that he's putting himself in line for that promotion when the time comes. Because he's still young enough. He's still young enough. He still has, he can still wait it out, whether it's a year or two. I, although I don't believe that Ron Rivera lasts another two years, but... Um, I, 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 like Ricky said, it's just, it just seems to be, that seems to be the most feasible and logical explanation as to why the enemy would make this move. So for me, is high risk, high reward when I look at this particular situation. The reward is, is obvious. You guys have spoken about it. If Rivera gets the boot, there's a possibility that the enemy gets the promotion. 
And the fact that he is no longer under the shadow of Andy Reid, he is now going to be calling the plays. He is going to be the one who is definitely responsible for all things offense in Washington. If the commanders are able to make something happen, then that is going to work for him. That's the reward. Here's the risk part. It's the Washington commanders. That's, that's, that's number one. The commanders historically have been a very popular team in the Washington area. They have not been very good the last decade. They, they have a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. The offense and the defense, they just can't get it together. As there are many games that neither side of the ball plays very well. And there are many games where you see one side of the ball play a lot better than the other. This is what Biennemi is walking into. Ron Rivera right now, I know you guys have said that Mostly, he's not going to be there for too much longer. And I, I agree with that. But if Biennemi comes in and somehow is able to make this offense into a top five offense in the league, I mean, they have the players that they should be able to ascend up the standings, then that means that the team is probably doing a lot better than it's been doing in the past. And therefore, then Rivera's going to look a lot better. And chances are he's going to stick it around. It might work in, in the enemy's favor that the team has done better, so now he gets an opportunity somewhere else. But we've seen that he was with the Chiefs, who won two Super Bowls and had been to three. So we don't know where the line is for the enemy. It's just that wherever it is, he, can't, he just doesn't reach it. So if the team does well, then that works for Rivera. It also works for him too, but it works for Rivera more. If the offense stinks still, then that works against him because, no, you've been the head man for your own offense and your offense is no good. So why would I, as a GM or an owner of another program, decide that I'm going to bring you in when you just stunk up the joint? Sure. Naturally, I mean, you're, you're currently in the landfill, but you're still stunk up the joint anyway. So that's part number two. But then there's the, the other potentiality which is the offense can look really really good they can play very well and the defense doesn't hold up their end of the bargain so the team still struggles Rivera gets the boot and then the enemy would definitely be in pole position now to ascend up into the head coach position so I see it can go three different ways I hope for him that is either number one or number three because either way the offense is looking really good, and that gives him what he needs in terms of credentials, hopefully, to move forward. Let me add, though, it is still a precarious position because I just realized every team in that division made the playoffs, but the Washington Yep. Yeah, it's, that, that, that is the part of it that is tough. Exactly. He is, he's not gone to a can't-walk division. He probably should have gone somewhere in the AFC stuff. But, moving on. So, the NFL QB carousel, as I may mention in my opening, is in full spin cycle today. It's not even just a merry-go-round. This is a washing machine. As we are hearing a lot of talk about a lot of quarterbacks. The biggest news that came out this week was that of Daniel Jones reportedly demanding $45 million to return to the to the New York Giants. Derek Carr is also a free agent as he told the Raiders where they could stake all their trade offers as he has a no trade clause. And Aaron Rodgers is currently on a darkness retreat. 
to determine where he wants to be the starting quarter, if he wants to be the starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, or if he's even going to come back and play football next year. So, Justin, I saw I see you shaking your head, so you can take your pick. Where do you want to go? Hey, hey, I, I want to start with Ricky's team because <laughs> I I see the New York Jets doing New York Jets things in that they have brought Derek Carr in for interview and just you know just to see where his head is at. There is absolutely no way that I would let Derek Carr enter that building or leave that building without a contract to be my next starting quarterback. There's absolutely no way. And I know everyone is saying, but they should wait out for Aaron Rodgers. They should wait out for Aaron Rodgers. I'm here to dispel this. Y'all brought me on the show so I can talk. <laughs> to wait out for Aaron Rodgers is absolute craziness for so many reasons. And I will give you the main reason why. The New York Jets should not allow Derek Carr to leave that building without a contract. The number one reason is, right, if you go after Aaron Rodgers, you're going to have to give up draft capital. You're going to have to spend draft capital, and you're going to have to give up a player or two. Derek Carr is a free agent. I don't have to do the math. One man is coming for free. The next man means that you're going to have to give up something. That's number one. Number two, your core of this squad is a young squad, especially Garrett Wilson, your best playmaker in this team, arguably your best playmaker, and then after that, Brees Hall. Our two ex, they are two rookies. They'll be in their second year if you bring in Aaron Rodgers. What is one of the biggest knocks on Aaron Rodgers during his time in Green Bay Packers? He does not mesh well with young playmakers. He puts him in the doghouse in the moment that they make a mistake. That's not how you treat young players. You have to live with the mistakes of young players and keep going them and giving them confidence to go on. And that is how they get better. That's how we saw Christian Watson get better in the tail end of the season because all the receivers were injured and we had no choice but to go to Christian Watson. They had to live with his mistakes and that's how Christian Watson got good. Aaron Rodgers does not live with the mistakes of young players. And that is all that New York Jets, sorry, New York Jets have in their, um, their, their skill position group. And the third and most important reason probably is that this man has never ever shown or he's never even claimed to be, nor does he want to be, a locker room leader. What do you need with the young squad? A quarterback who is coming to be your locker room leader. And what is Derek Carr? A leader of men. And I can go over, I will, I know I can, I will go over the situation. His penultimate season in Las Vegas when everything could possibly go wrong, everything that could go wrong, went wrong. Derek Carr never once flinched. Never once. He sat down and watched Henry Ruggs gain a drunken accident and kill a woman. And uh, what happened? Did not flinch. His head coach was for what, what, whether misogynistic comments, whether um, racist comments, we could go on and on and on. Got booted out the NFL, got booted out Las Vegas Raiders. Derek Carr ain't flinched. Had to go to rookie interim head coach that never was a head coach at any level his entire life. Did not flip. And guess what, gentlemen? Derek Carr took that Las Vegas Raiders team who had another player with an, another legal matter get booed off the team and put that team in the playoffs. This is a leader. During his season, in the middle of this disastrous season, when it's clear that nobody was fighting hard, Derek Carr went to the podium and cried real man tears, real man tears, not the alligator fake tears, Real man tears, Derek Carr got on the podium 
crazy. And what happened? Raiders turned it around to the point in the penultimate week of the season. They were still in lane or had a shot to make it for us. Derek Carr is the man you want for your franchise. The New York Jets crazy for even entertaining the thought of bringing Aaron Rodgers in the building. But I want it because I want all the draft capital that y'all could possibly give me. And that is my last thought. I have nothing else to say other than that Brian Dable is to blame for the nonsense that we are seeing with Daniel Jones because he did his damn best as a coach to hide every single flaw that Daniel Jones has. And I do not have time on this show to detail all of them because there are several. <laughs> Brian Dable did his best to hide all of these flaws only for the entitlement of Daniel Jones to come back and tell people he want $45 million. Well, 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 well. <laughs> what about you, Ricky? You can take your pick as well. I, I, I told several chat groups, several people who I respect that follow sports. I would have parked car in Florham Park, New Jersey yesterday. I would not have let him leave the building also. Uh, Justin mentioned a number of things and I forgot to mention that Derek Carr also had to deal with one Antonio Brown, him of the frozen feet, the agony of defeat, <laughs> the man with a retreat. You take that Armand sweet, and Derek <laughs> Carr was still there, leading from the front, showing enough leadership um, ability. Uh, I, I wouldn't have let him leave. I agree with those arguments. So for me, as a Jets fan, I would like Carr to be the man that we sign because we need the assets to keep building. We still have our offensive line to fix. We got safety. We need to find a safety. We have a number of things to work on. So I agree with that. Aaron Rodgers is doing what Aaron Rodgers does. He's the closest thing to reality TV that we have in the league. What are you going to do there? Uh, Pat McAfee probably knows where he's going and what he's doing, but not the rest of the planet. So I just leave him until he comes out of the darkness. And Daniel Jones is doing what uh, a QB in a city like New York City could get away with. Because I don't see Daniel Jones getting away with that in a number number of different cities and franchises but he will get away with it here because unfortunately this is a league now that has about 10 good qbs and the rest of the league is looking for a qb so believe it or not i actually think that the giants will have no choice but the franchise tag him and give him another prove it here so that's my spin on the carousel the carousel is in full full spin and you just have to pick your horse Literally. <laughs> the New York Giants right now, right, are in hell. And it doesn't sound like that because you could say, well, the New York Giants have made the playoffs. The New York Giants are not bad enough to find a franchise quarterback in draft. And they were not good enough to compete with a realistic football team. You are in hell because you're going to turn around and you're going to pay Daniel Jones for the same results here. You're going to get to the playoffs and be an also run. You need to be rid of Daniel Jones and do not mind the headquarters' ability to hide those flaws. There are several flaws. Move on from Daniel Jones. What about you, AJ? What's your take on the on the names on the carousel today? <sighs> these gentlemen just wax so poetically. I don't think there's much more I can add though. I mean, all of these three guys, I I'm really a fan of one of them. And I like him so much that I don't even want him at my franchise because I don't want him to come under 
any sort of unnecessary criticism. And I'm obviously speaking about Derek Carr. I would love him to be a Patriot. I mean, I'm, and we, we all know this is, unreal, this is unrealistic. I'm just saying from my personal perspective. But at the end of the day, I don't want him there because what can happen is that he can be in a wasteland and then he'll be, <laughs> he get, uh, end up getting criticized. So, I, I, sorry, that was just a, a, I was just a little crazy. I, 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 Ricky, I completely agree with you. The, the Jets seem to be like, the, it's not Ricky, sorry, Justin. Mm. Well, both of y'all, essentially. But the Jets are, are, are supposed to be the team that right now is just like plug and play for a quarterback, right? And of the options available, it should be Derek Carr. And, uh, and Justin, I'm not going to go over everything you said because I agree with every single point, mainly the leadership aspect, right? And especially for a young core, a young offensive core like that. I, 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 I can't speak on Aaron Rodgers because I, I, I have absolutely no idea what that man is going to do. I don't even think he... He's still on the darkness retreat. It was not just four days. He, he shouldn't be out by now. I don't know. I don't know. Four long days. I don't know. And, and with regards to Daniel Jones, I mean, I, I, I wish I had his team. I wish I had his team to be able to have the bravado to ask for that sort of money. Like, Ricky, like you said, it could be the market. You, you remember when, when that question was posted in the chat? In the damn time chat a couple of days ago, like who would you rather pay? Justin, I'd agree with you with you then. I don't know if you saw me like your, your response, but I'd I'd pay Saquon. It's not because I actually want to pay Saquon out of the two of them. It's just the lesser of evils. I'd rather give that sort of money to Saquon and give it what it was forty five or whatever it was or whatever was on the to Daniel Jones. Nah, to to put him more in the in the upper echelons of of, of making as much money as like Patrick Mahomes. Come on, son. <laughs> but like you said, Rick, the, the the Giants are probably well off enough. Let me put it that way, and not try to come across as pejorative. They have, they they have to pay. They have to pay. They they're probably in a position where their backs may be against the wall, and they don't know any better. So, yeah, they they'll probably do it. So, I guess this is one of the points where. I gotta be the dissenting voice, right? Especially where it comes. I I can just come across the come across the line. So Daniel Jones first. If I'm the New York Giants, there's no way hell I'm paying Daniel Jones forty five million dollars. He has to part his bags and leave my facility. <laughs> Daniel Jones, right now, right now, this is February twenty first of twenty twenty three, the year of our Lord. If Daniel Jones is a free agent, Daniel Jones is a backup. For majority of the teams in the league, Daniel Jones is not walking from the New York Giants and starting somewhere that is not like Chicago, for lack of a better team. A team that is built for a quarterback that's going to run 80% of the time and throw the ball three yards for the other 20. So, where is Daniel Jones going? Daniel Jones needs to learn how to read the room. Because right now, whoever is on his team, you say you, you, you applaud them for the bravado? I think that they need to have several seats. They can sit down on a hot step. They can sit down on a cold step. They need to get the belly to get some of that stuff out of them because they're too full of it. I don't know what is going on with Daniel Jones and his crew, but he will hardly leave my place. To Derek Kerr. I was sorry. I was just being facetious, by the way. Don't take me seriously with that. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I got you. I got you covered. I got you covered. To Mr. Derek Kerr, 
I also have a quarterback needy team that spoke to Mr. Kerr. And before he decided that he was not waiving his no trade clause and, and got released, apparently my Saints had agreed compensation with the Raiders to bring in Kerr. Since that has not happened, Kerr has been taking conversations with other franchises. That lets me know that chances are he isn't coming. <laughs> we have to look elsewhere for our new quarterback. I really wish she did come because of all the reasons that have been have been mentioned here. So I'm not going to go over any of them. But I believe in Derek Kerr. And when we were, AJ, you'll remember this, we were in some spirited debate in one of our chats when people were disrespecting the name of Derek Kerr. Derek Kerr is that dude. He might not be a top 10 quarterback in the league, but he's definitely better than the Mendoza line. He, if you have Derek Kerr, you can make some things happen. I know to miss Aaron Rodgers. Well, I, I'm not going to take too much time on Aaron Rodgers because whatever I say <laughs> now probably isn't going to make any sense tomorrow. Aaron Rodgers, he he moves with the beat of his own drum, and sometimes that wind can blow him in whichever direction. I will not sit here and pretend to have any idea what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. He might come back or he might not. What we have seen, though, is the, some reports coming out of Green Bay that they are sick and tired of his mess. They would like him to sit down on a hot step or a cold step so he can get some of that crap out of him, too. But that is your franchise quarterback right now. Um, so Not too much. I cannot see a situation where or it's very unlikely that Aaron Rodgers is coming back next season. I, I, I just thought it is a situation that he's not retiring because I want Ricky's draft cap. <laughs> so, but, yeah, so. But, but quick one there, Justin. You don't see him coming back to Green Bay as opposed to coming back to play QB in the NFL? I I don't see him coming back to play in, in Green Bay. I, I think management is tired of this nonsense. Like, you give a mind, you were in this same situation last season. You gave him a three-year, four-year deal. Granted, we all knew it was one by one by one. But he gave him this deal, and they come back in the same situation with a man with a deal. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> Understood. So, yeah. So, I mean, I agree with Justin. Aaron Rodgers has 60, is, what, 60 million reasons to come back next season. So, he'll be back somewhere. I just, I just don't think that Green Bay is going to be that place. All right. So... From the carousel, we've been hinting at this all along. That is the Chicago conundrum. Simple question. What should the Chicago Bears do with their quarterback? That's the number one question, literally. They have the number one pick in the draft, so they can do whatever they want. Should, so Ricky, should they stick with Justin Fields or twist with Bryce Young or some other quarterback in this draft? For the record, I wanted Justin Fields when my New York Jets took Zach Wilson. So, yes, I would stay patient with Justin Fields because I believe that the young man has the talent. From the years in high school, there were two quarterbacks that were talked about in that same class. It was Justin Fields and it was the QB for Jacksonville. Um, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. It was Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. Coming out of high school, that's what it was. And it went through college, and everything was Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. And I believe 
that Justin Fields has the talent, but for whatever reason, these kind of rumblings I've learned with the NFL, these kind of rumblings and this kind of talk and chatter doesn't come out unless someone wants it to come out, right? These franchises know enough that if this is your guy and this is truly your guy, they don't allow us to speak ill of their guy when they've made up their mind it's their guy. So that is why I do believe that where there's smoke, there's fire. And I do believe that there are people in Chicago that are thinking about it. But I argue on this point that if you don't find the assets and the talent to protect the QB position, regardless of if you want Bryce Young or Justin Fields, then it becomes a moot point to me because whoever you put behind there is going to get destroyed. Um, so that, that's how I feel about it. I would stay with Justin Fields, to be brutally honest, I would stay with Justin Fields if it were my decision as the as the GM of the Chicago Bears. But I learned with this National Football League that where there's smoke, there's fire. So therefore, there has to be a school of thought in Chicago. Maybe we offload Justin Fields and we go a different direction. Let me just also add, that's why I also think that where there's smoke, there's fire something relative to Lamar Jackson and Baltimore as well. Because you don't allow all of this and this man to be dangling uh, MVP winner, and you will have him dangling out there in uncertainty as well. So that's my two cents. All right. So welcome, Mark Thompson. You say he's late to the party, but you're just on time. No, Mark, lucky that you're late, because the men know Ross Daniel Jones. <laughs> Ross Daniel Jones and your management. All right, Justin. So, what about you? Stick or twist? Do we get rid of Fields or do we keep him and keep this thing rolling? It all depends on if Chicago honestly thinks that Bryce Young is a better quarterback than Justin Fields, huh? or it should come down. And if you do, then you got to make the tough decision to move on from Justin Fields. Like you, you just have to, and. Because this is one of those decisions, if you don't make the right one, this is the sort of decision that sets you back 15 years, easily. And it sounds like, you know, like I am exaggerating. If you don't pick right, like look at Chicago right now. They had a choice in that draft. And I'm speaking of the Patrick Mahomes draft. They could have landed and they moved up to number two overall and traded yes. away a ton of draft capital. They could have, they could have landed... Patrick Mahomes, they could have landed Deshaun Watson. And they ended up instead with Mitch Trubisky. And this is where they are right now. And I'm not saying that Patrick Mahomes is going to be the same quarterback if he was in Chicago that he is currently in Kansas City. But it sure ain't Mitch Trubisky and you're sure ain't going back and looking for a quarterback every other drop. You put me on the spot so I'm going to say this. I have seen a little bit of Bryce Young and from the little I've seen I believe that you trade Justin Fields. The thing is, with the number one overall pick, if you keep Fields, you're likely going to get more for the number one overall pick than you are getting with Fields. But gentlemen, the number one thing about quarterbacks or the most important thing, forget accuracy, forget all this thing about leadership. Number one thing about quarterback play, gentlemen, is protecting football. And that is something that Justin Fields has not been able to do in two seasons he's played so far in He has already had gentlemen 28 fumbles, 91 sacks, 
24 interceptions in 27 games played. That is not a recipe for success. And Ricky did mention that the reality of the situation is Chicago has one of the weakest, if not the weakest, offensive line across the entire NFL. That being said, you still have to be able to protect the football. And if you truly believe that Bryce Young is a better quarterback, from all the analysts are saying that this man is going to be special, I have concerns about the fact that Bryce Young is barely six feet flat, if so much, and probably 175 pounds soaking around. I have concerns about his size, but Bryce Young does not turn over the football and Justin Fields does. It sounds crazy for me to say this, especially after the last season that what we saw Justin Fields tear up the league on the ground. I would trade Justin Fields, see what he can get, and go and draft Bryce Young. What about you, AJ? No, you got to split the tie because right now it is one-on-one. Uh, all right, so... I'll start by saying I, at one point, I think when the question was initially raised, and I don't mean tonight, I mean like a couple of days ago and whatnot, I was actually on Justin's side back then. I was thinking, as in our Justin here, Marvin, right? <laughs> I was thinking, I was thinking, yeah, it, it might be best to trade him because like, I know he hasn't set the world alight. And um, if you do think that, you have a more, but you can never know for sure, right? But if you do think you have someone with a, a higher ceiling coming out of this draft, with that number one pick, you, you could trade Justin Fields. As I thought about it more, I had to take into consideration the team behind all of this. We're talking about the Chicago Bears. This is not a team that has covered themselves in glory when it comes to finding a franchise quarterback, right? I think, and, and like, we could go back through the list. Like, how many Bears quarterbacks do y'all remember being, like, stars or franchise? Like, out, out, uh, exactly. Outside of the uh, arguably one of, if not the longest serving in Jay Cutler. Like, who, who they had? Who, like, Kyle Orton? The only good Orton is Randy. Like, they, <laughs> they, haven't had, they haven't had a franchise quarterback. And, and Justin, to your points, he has... He, Justin Fields, has had some issues with protecting the football. But that does play into what Ricky was saying. Well, they could be, it, that could be because he has not been protected very well. I think at this point, right, you don't give up sure for unsure. They have bigger problems to solve than the quarterback at this point. I don't think that they can judge what Justin Fields has done so far. I, I should say the judging negatives of his game on him alone. Because they, there are other aspects that the Bears, as an organization, need to put in the field. I think it would be a mistake at this stage to give up on Justin Fields to get Bryce Young because Bryce Young could end up in the, in the exact same situation. And if you get that wrong, you look even more stupid. But putting two years, investing two years in Justin Fields and then moving on and then uh, falling into the same trap. And, and this is not to say that Justin Fields necessarily goes anywhere else and excels. Like, that's the thing we don't know. But if you've already started something with Fields at this point, I say, I say rock with it. There, 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 will be, there will be a quarterback or two in a few years that will be coming out. And again, again, I, I, listen, let me, let me put it this way, right? Because Ricky mentioned how like the, the, the ceiling, how high Justin Fields' ceiling was supposed to be 
I mean, or the high school, and, and even in college, he was he was still like being mm-hmm. very highly touted and whatnot. Right. I, I Bryce Young it does have a lot of 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 furor around him as well, but I don't know if there's a great enough disparity between the two. That at this point, after two years of project with Justin Fields, that you give up or not to go to Bryce Young. I, I don't think it's a wise decision. And again, this has a lot to do with the organization that we're talking about. The, the Bears front office has been deplorable in, when it comes especially to finding a, a franchise quarterback. So I don't think this is the right time to give up on, on Justin Fields. With that number one pick, you can, you can get more adjusting, as you said. You will get more for that pick than you will if you try to trade Justin Fields at this point. I'm not saying you're wrong, AJ, because I agree with you. All I'm saying is the Bears better get this right because if they do not, they are going to continue to be in the position that they are in, which is the NFC North. South. I, I can I completely agree. That's all. It's it's just at, at this point, it's it's hard to tell what would be right or wrong. But I think I just feel it would look worse on them if they got rid of Fields and then Bryce Young doesn't work out than if they. Keep Fields, fortify the offensive line, and then he doesn't work out even if Bryce Young does better somewhere else. Because, hold on, I can't agree with that because if Bryce Young is what people say he is and he goes on to be a star, how bad are you then that you've then passed up on Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, and Bryce Young? You better get this right. You're correct. You're correct. You're correct. All right, so... Mark in the chat, he has said that Fields is protecting the ball worse than Jones and that he would actually stick with Fields. I'm glad that Mark made the, the comparison between Fields and Jones because that is where I was going to start. When you look at what the New York Giants have been able to put around Daniel Jones and you look at what the Chicago Bears have been able to put around Justin Fields, well, we will say that the Giants have not exactly done the best job in surrounding their quarterback with talent. They have Saquon Barkley, who's still better than David Montgomery. When Justin Fields came in, he had Allen Robinson for a short for a short minute, and then Robinson was gone. They traded for a new stud wide receiver. That wide receiver was Chase Claypool. <laughs> Wow. There is the, the there is nothing that we have seen so far out of the Chicago Bears that gives us enough to make a proper evaluation of what Justin Fields can give. That is a fact. But what he has been able to do with the nuts and bolts that they have put around him should give you enough hope that should they make the mistake, in my opinion, of getting rid of Justin Fields, he is going to be better wherever he goes. Because wherever he goes, he's going to have better talent around him than he's had in Chicago. Now, the other side of this, and this is what I I, I was hoping that I was going to be the first one to make the point, but Justin made the point already. Bryce Young, six feet tall, six one, depending on the, the platform heels that he's wearing. 175 pounds dripping wet, which means that on an NFL field, 
a high wind will blow him over. <laughs> and when you look at where he has played relative to the comp- competition around him, he's played at Alabama in the SEC, where Alabama is still Alabama. I don't like him, but the fact is that they're still one of the best teams in the SEC. But you then take him now and you put him on Chicago. <laughs> you put him on Chicago with no offensive line, no offensive, no weapons really to throw the ball to, outside of maybe Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney, who still was their number one receiver, even though they brought in Chase Claypool. So, what are we talking about here? You're bringing a small man behind a bad offensive line playing against Green Bay twice, the much improved Detroit Lions twice, and then the Purple Marauders, that is the Minnesota Vikings twice. He's not surviving this season. What are we doing? One would argue that the Alabama offensive line is better than the Chicago Bears offense. Dear so what are we doing? What are we talking about here? We're 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 asked actually debating whether to bring this man to end his career way before it's time. No, you allow him to go somewhere else. You trade that number one pick, you will get back their number one this season. You'll probably get number one next season and some other pick as well. You can you can parlay that into getting some help on your offensive line. You can start to build a credible offense to go around Justin Fields. That Just gives you the... Benjamin, this is supposedly one of the best quarterback classes of recent. I mean, I heard that in the Trevor Lawrence draft, and so far, the only good one is Trevor Lawrence. But again, let me see it. You better, if you don't draft Brace Young, right? You better hope that Brace Young isn't good. You, you just gotta hope. Even if Justin Fields has a better hope that Bryce Young is special. You know, For me, I, right? Sorry, go ahead, AJ. I was just going to say, because Justin, to the point that we were just speaking about before before Ken spoke, I, I I think some media personnel, either way, would still make a story of it. Because mm-hmm. just, just like how you mentioned Mahomes, like the fact that they pass up on Mahomes, like, I don't know how many people thought Patrick Mahomes would be what he is, even though he, are, he, he didn't have that potential coming out of tech. But I don't think people expected this. But either way, it did help that in his continuing journey to a, a, a dynasty that he had. And But it did help. It did help that he landed with Andy Reid and an offensive mind, an offensive coordinator, who we, we've been saying deserves a head coaching job for the last few years, right? So agreed, but it's not just Patrick Mahomes they passed up on, you know. No, no, I'm not, and, and I get that I, they I passed up on Deshaun Watson. So even for your argument, right? Mm-hmm. You may not have seen Patrick Mahomes. That's fine, no argument there. I have no problem with that. But you could not. You like, how did you pass up on Deshaun Watson? Oh like, like, the, all the tools were there. And this is a quarterback that went up against the vaunted Alabama in a national title game. A game that Deshaun Watson probably has not played a bigger game. Like, Deshaun Watson has not played a bigger game since. And he's played in the divisional playoff game against Chiefs on the road. And I still say that that national title game is probably bigger. It's the biggest game he's ever played. 
And not only did we win, we absolutely dominated in this game. I mean, granted that they won a lot, second touchdown, but he was absolutely dominant in this game. How do you look at that dude that does not turn over the football, that has the arm strength, that has the accuracy, and you went to Mitch Trubisky? How do you do that? No, and I agree, and, and I completely agree. But I'm just saying the Bears front office has been so deplorable that people are going to lambaste them either way because that deserves a full amount of, 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 of um, the ire of fans and everything. Like, that decision-making alone, right? But then with the Mahomes thing, like, I... I don't know if I can if I would necessarily blame them per se for Mahomes. You know what I mean? But either way, that's going to be a story because previously they passed up on Deshaun and then they passed over on, on Patrick Mahomes again and then look what he turned out to be, even though most people didn't see it coming. So that's what I'm saying. Even with, with Bryce, it, I, I feel like as long as Bryce does well, it's going to be a story. So unless Justin Fields actually matches that, it, 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 will, be, it will be talked about. It will be a headline either way. Yeah, I just I just feel that um and Mark Messi the point about Alex Smith being president in Kansas City was also very key for the development of Patrick Mentor. Mahomes. Mentor. Right. Chicago doesn't have any of the things that we just talked about. We they can't check any of these boxes. <clears throat> I think that the best thing that they can do actually the best thing that they can do is to trade in a more pick and trade Justin Fields. That's the best thing that they can do. They can blow it all up and start all over again. But that that no, that is the carousel that you spoke of earlier, sir. Because that's it. I mean, at this point, it would just be on a rebuilding carousel. I mean, right now they have they have been building for so long, and they have nothing. They have nothing. Not even the studs in this building look good. So really and truly, you need to tear it flat. Bring in the bobcat and lay a new foundation. That is what they need to do at this point in time. Roughness. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I am not here to be the sugar quarter of anything. You know that's not my role. So, as we are about to get out of here, gentlemen, last topic for tonight is these all-star games. For those of you who cared, the NBA All-Star weekend was this weekend just passed in Salt Lake City, Utah, in which um, Shaq said that he's never eaten so much um, room service. Room service, and Charles said that there's absolutely nothing to do in that town. The games themselves were—I don't even know what's the best word to use here, because as you guys know, we are all in the chat together. I was playing Assassin's Creed during the majority of the. NBA All-Star game. I went to the movies with my wife during All-Star Saturday night because, you know, the highlight of All-Star Saturday night is usually the dunk contest, and the dunk contest has been a no contest for the last few years. So, what are we doing? Right now, we look at the NBA All-Star game, there's a complete lack of intensity. They've tried different things to try to make it more interesting. We did get a good fourth quarter last year when the teams were trying to you know, be the first champion of the Kobe Bryant <laughs> NBA All-Star Game. Whoever got the MVP got that trophy. It went to my guy Stephen Curry, 50 points. That was that was great. Last season, this year, I tuned in the fourth quarter and Team Giannis was so far ahead. They just continued playing the entire the way that they would have been playing for these previous three quarters. 
we'll see what happens in the NFL because now the NFL it has been so little competition. We've been playing too hard touch and they decided that we we're gonna take away the tackle altogether. We just put flags on these guys and that still really didn't move the needle. So the question is is well not is there. I want you to tell me if you can come up with a solution to fix these all-star games. AJ, you go first on this one. I'm so glad you started with me because I I will be the genetic dissenter here. Let me see if y'all come up with There's no way to fix this, you know. There's absolutely no way I see to fix this. And I'll, and I'll tell you why, right? I will, I will arrive at my conclusion by answering these three questions. I'll use this Socratic method, right? Number one, what's the benefit to the players? Secondly, who's the face of the league? And thirdly, who is the target audience really? So let me get into the first question, right? What, what benefit is there to the players actually? In this era, no, no, don't get me wrong. Players have always been about trying to make their money in the NBA, right? But the prestige of the All-Star game was, it, it was a lot higher in a different era of basketball. No, with so much money flowing around, what, and, and with the, the league itself actually being so competitive, what is the actual benefit of having an all-star game for these players and like they, they don't derive anything from it and and like we were saying in in the in the game time chat the the actual prestige of an all-star game for a player is just being selected to an all-star weekend when when people look back at the at the players accolades they say all right well yeah 11 time all-star 10 time all-star they don't say how many games you won or lost so so what what are the players really doing it for it, for the fans that were to, to get injured and and if if we're seeing now that men actually getting injured in a game and the face of the league getting injured in a game and all sorts of things that might segue very well into my second question but like what what are they deriving from it i just watched a clip a couple of days ago with cj mccollum the head of the and the players association talking about the fact that most of the NBA's money is made in the playoffs Mm-hmm. You know what the playoffs is not? The all-star game. You know what the all-star <laughs> game is? A hindrance to the playoffs. So what is the benefit to the players, really? Secondly, and I just mentioned this, so let me segue into it, the face of the league. Listen, in sports, the league goes as the face of the league goes, right? Back in the day when Michael Jordan was the face of the league, we know that the league was a bit more gritty. It was more gritty, that is. I'm not saying gritty as if I... Gritty. It was a lot more competitive. It was a lot more defensive. There was a lot more that you could have gotten away with. The league is, has changed. It is not that anymore, right? No, don't get me wrong. I, I know we, we all know that that when you're the face, when you're the main player in any league or whatever, the referee will give you calls and you can ask for calls. But I don't know if you've ever seen an NBA like a face of a league like remonstrating so much because he does not get calls. In, in, in terms of LeBron. So I, I'm saying that to, to mention how much softer the league is right now. So w- with that, with that, it has opened up a more, and, and the NBA wanted it this way, right? They wanted it to be a lot more offensive to join different crowds, like, because that's a draw. Like what we had as an all-star game back in the day is now a regular NBA game. These 130 something to 120 something scores. That was, a, that was what the all-star used to finish up. I, I could not believe Ken. I didn't watch the game, right? 
it's only it was only today in my prep that I checked the final score. I could not believe it finished up 180 something to 170 something. You being serious? Come on, man. The the NBA itself is 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 already so offense uh, uh, offense minded rather than not offensive but offense minded. Like what's the what's the difference? What are we getting different in in the All Star game that we don't get? Jamoran, ja people like Jamoran, he's he's a a, a weekly All Star highlight reel. So what are we getting different in the All Star game? Really, we get these off these kind of, of spectacular offensive plays every single week. So then what? What? Why should we tune into the All Star game? And then finally, the target audience. I, I, if it is that you're targeting like our generation who grew up on by or or our predecessors or whatnot. Again, like I said, like I already said, the league is the league has changed so much. It's not what we're accustomed to, and. We're not getting anything different to watching a regular NBA game. Not enough to actually tune in. Like back in the day when games used to finish up 80-something to 90-something because it was more defensive. But then you watch an all-star game because you know men can free up. It can be less defense playing and men can do flips and tricks. You're getting that in the regular NBA. And, and if, if it is that you're trying to attract a younger audience, you mean, you mean all these Gen Zers who have the attention span of a hummingbird? <laughs> <laughs> seriously since since the advent of the cell phone you know that 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 uh the human attention span has dropped by by i think it's like 3.3 percent is what i heard or something like that nobody had time to sit down and watch is is again it is a repetition of the same thing we watch every single week and these kids could go and look at the house of highlights um sports center esp and just just go on on, on ig and, and look it up look up the the, the most appealing clips so, so who is it really attracting that needs to sit down and watch this? That that is, is the same product that you get every single week watching. If I if I want to see that, I could watch Jamaran every week. I could watch whoever else. There, there's absolutely nothing more to, to the end to the All Star game based on how the league is right now, based on who the face is, and the fact that the league has gotten softer because of him, and based on the fact that it's not benefiting the players. There's no way to fix this. Do you agree, Ricky? Um, the product on the court, I agree with AJ. I agree with the sentiment that a lot of people have expressed. I I went to, because I remember reading an article about Cleveland 2022 um, and the revenue, the economic, direct economic impact was $141.4 million. Having been to an all-star weekend before, um, that is why they do this. I agree with AJ, though, that the on-the-court product is not worth consumption regardless of generation really but when you see what happens in those cities and how and we don't have to get into which nook and cranny benefits the most but the restaurants the clubs the other types of clubs the <laughs> the you know like like there's no question there's direct economic impact the merchandising and so on that is why they do this and that is who it benefits. So the NBA is saying to, especially the smaller market cities, because New York and LA don't need this, but Utah needs it, Sacramento needs it, Cleveland needed it. So the reality of it is the NBA is doing that so that these smaller markets can say, you know, the Bucks and uh, Justin will tell us where they play exactly um, in Wisconsin. Um, those markets need it. That's why the NBA does this. The brands that these players have become really don't need it either because we have these beautiful devices that 
tell us and get all the content. So I agree with AJ there. I think what they have to figure out is how do we allow this to be a celebration of our sport over the course of a weekend, but not have such a sham of a game as the centerpiece of that weekend. That's where they got to put their heads together and figure out. I saw this argument, best argument I saw so far was um, having a, a one-on-one type challenge. Um, it came out of an interview that Kobe Bryant had once where they said, look, if you believe that some of these players are the best when it comes to one-on-one basketball, let's have that as one of the attractions of the weekend. Not the centerpiece, but one of the attractions. I think they're going to have to be open to things like that. But the reality of it is they're going to be forced to do it because these smaller markets need that $140 plus million in direct economic um, gains from the staging of of this event well what you just said where do you fall on this there's nothing much to add to what those two esteemed gentlemen have said right like the reality of the situation is the leagues need these weekends uh particularly the nba all-star weekend which serves as a break for most elite and i am all for all the festivities and all the other challenges that surround both the nba and nfl all-star games but I'm going to say you're going to have to scrap both games. Just scrap it. There's no fixing it. And the reason why is for the same way. Obviously, the NFL is an extremely violent sport. And the reason that the game had to be changed is because no one wants to risk injury, especially the NFL, because the injury you can have is career-threatening, that it's going to end your money. Now, with the NBA players, as much as basketball is not, as violent sport. The reality of the situation is, and I think um, AJ brought up, brought up the point, the All-Star game is now seen as a predicament or a, 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 an impediment for the playoffs for these players. And I will bring up a different culture point, not for, because the league is softer, but because we've gotten to a... We've gotten into a... A, a space in our debates where the only thing that matters is rings. And these players feel that pressure. So they're telling themselves if the only thing that matters for us in debate is rings, and LeBron feels that, believe you me, then they're telling themselves, I am not going to get injured in an all-star game when the playoffs are right around the corner. And and with, with how it is structured that there's no saving that. The only way you get by is if you have an all-star game at the end of the season and then people are not going to play it because they don't have any contractual obligations to play in, in, in the game. And their season is done and they want to rehab. These players are fearing injury. And until the players take this game serious or do not fear injury, this is what's going to happen. That's the reality. Like all these players are saving themselves for the playoffs. They'll go back in the second half and play meaningful regular season games. But none of them want to get injured. And whether I agree with them or not, I'm not a player to say it. I'm not my legacy is not on the line. I'm not the guy who's chasing six rings or wants a ring to cement his legacy. I'm here watching. So I can sit down and say these players need to take the damn game serious. These players need to play some damn defense and treat it like a regular actual regular season game or even close to a playoff game for fans to actually watch this. But again, as I said, my legacy isn't on the lane. 
So when the LeBron James and the Giannis and Kawhi Leonard and the Steph Curry are telling themselves, well, they hear ring chasing, so I'm going to walk through this game because you ain't blowing up with me, you ain't hurting my wrist, you ain't damaging nothing. This is what I'm coming to do. Then what can I say? So the answer to your question, Ken, there is the only people who can fix these all-star games are the players themselves. And until the players have the mindset in which a star game is more important than the playoffs, which will never happen, this is the product that we're going to get. So I can't disagree. I can't disagree with you guys because I feel the yeah, exact same way. Um, when I look at the NFL All-Star Game, for example, they had to, like I said, they had to take the pads off because the guys, you might as well have no pads on because they weren't hitting anybody. The, the NBA All-Star Game, you, you play hard when there's something on the line. There's nothing on the line for these players, as AJ said. There's absolutely no incentive for these players to want to do this really and truly. Like, the NBA, they've tried. They've tried something by making the teams be playing for charity. So, you know, you, you have a charity you're representing. You want your charity to get some money. But last night, Team LeBron, all they managed to do was to tie one quarter and they lost the other three. So, their charity didn't really get much. In the past, Team Giannis suffered that exact same fit. The players are going to go there and they're going to put on the show. They're going to jump. They're going to dunk. They're going to shoot three balls from the parking lot. Because at the end of the day, we just out here to just do the things that apparently the fans want to see without really putting ourselves on the line and risk any kind of injury. It's impossible to fix the All-Star game. Because... These players make so much money, you can't pay them to go there and try to do this. They have so much going on off the court, and they themselves have so many charities that they are involved in that, okay, yeah, you want us to do this for this charity in Utah, but the only people that really have to care about the charity in Utah is Laurie Marketing and the players in Utah. I have my own charity that I'm doing my work with. I don't I don't need this. And while it'd be, it'd be nice to do something for those fans, why why am I going to risk it I mean the only all-star game that seems to have a certain level of competitiveness and is played almost at the level of a regular season game is the baseball all-star game because that one actually has something writing on it like you win the game your conference gets the home field advantage World Series. But when the NFL plays their all-star game at the end of the regular season, well, there's no consequence there. It frustrates me to no end to hear everyone calling what happens after the all-star game in basketball the second half of the season because we've already played three or four months already. We got 20-something games coming. We don't play a 40-game season. We play 82-game season. So how the hell is 20, 24, 25 games the second half of the season. It drives me crazy. But in any case, when you have these players who, as you guys said, are making their money in the regular season to go play playoff basketball, if the game is earlier, I am not going to push too hard because I have so much of the season left to come. So much of the season's already gone. Now we are into the stretch run for the playoffs. Or you put it at the end of the regular season, that's right before the playoffs. So I'm still not going to be going full speed. There's nothing that they can do 
to incentivize these players to do more than what they have already been doing so i believe that sooner or later there will be no all-star game we're gonna have the skills competitions we're gonna have a couple little frill things here and there but as for a game that ship is sealed there's there's, there's no way that they're going to be able to get this pull back now <coughs> and i think fellas that is a great spot for us to end this show we've been here for a while we've talked about a lot of things but we've had a lot of fun thank you for those who joined us wherever you came in on the show we're happy that you were with us if you are on youtube please like this video subscribe and hit the notification bell so that every time that we are on you will be notified that we are there if you are on facebook we thank you for the time that you've been with us if you're on twitter unfortunately if you made any comments over there <laughs> we didn't get to see them you need to join us on youtube or on facebook so that we can we can see them so justin before we go let the folks know where they can find you as you said quite so eloquently like, subscribe, follow, because Green Bay is where you will be on Tuesday night coming. But for the night before that, if you don't want, you know, just Green Bay, you can come on over to hashtag this Justin. We are YouTube primarily. That's hashtag this Justin every Monday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern Caribbean time. Please put in the hashtag. You do not want Max Kellerman. For our short content, you can find us on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Facebook. That's hashtag this just in. Please, please, please put in the hashtag. We have the black and yellow marketing scheme looking thing. We are not blue and white, black and yellow. Hashtag this just in. Yeah, so AJ and I, we've been on hashtag this just in a few times. And it's always a great time. It's always a great time when we go over there. Especially when we have a referee, then we, we, we put the gloves on and we, we go at it for a little bit. But it's always a great time to have you, Justin. It's always great to have you as well, Ricky. We are thankful that you guys gave us some of your time and you joined us. For those who are listening to us, be it on Spotify, Apple, um, Amazon, basically anywhere that you can hear an audio podcast, you can find us. We thank you as well. We do not take your support for granted. So, as always, that is AJ. He is the green. I am Ken. I am the beige. And we will see you next time.